I would have fashioned my own. You would have. Yeah, out of like a fishing hook. Out of velvet? <laughs> Maybe velvet? <laughs> yeah. Velvet tied to a fishing hook. Yeah. Hey guys, well this is uh, this is a podcast we're doing right here. This is it. And uh, episode 24 of that podcast, we are lucky Boom. to have a guest in the house. Named Joe Darnaby. What's up, Joe? What's up, hey Joe? Guys, why don't you maybe? Me. Sorry to talk over you. Why don't you maybe tell us a little bit about uh, who you are? Who am I? I don't know. Maybe we'll find out by the end <laughs> of this episode. <laughs> um. Well, uh, um, I've done a bunch of different jobs, all musicy things. Used to spent my twenties trying to be a guitarist. Like most of us spent our 20s. Let me just press pause for a second here. Joe is a ripping guitar player. Everybody needs to know it. Love, love what this man does on the six string. And let's be honest, on the 12 string. I think that's kind of what, like, if you've got a calling card, I feel like that's probably it. Yeah, that's my gimmick for sure. Yeah. At a certain point. It's it's an awesome gimmick. It's a good gimmick, right? At least it's not seven string. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) I saw someone post their eight string the other today, actually. Oh, yeah. Like they're stoked to get it back from the shop and. I took a few minutes off of work to wrap my mind around. Like, Why the <laughs> yeah, fuck would you I mean, own one of those things? Look, unless I've you're never like, even seen unless you're like Stanley Clark or some some player yeah. that's like doing moving bass lines with one hand and tapping. It was with an the eight other string hand. bass. Now he's like no a no guitar. Well, well that's the guy what I'm questions yeah. like a periphery junkie or yeah. something. I've seen the eight string sure. bass that's got like the two and two and two. But oh yeah, oh yeah, like the uh, that's kind of cool. Like string courses, be fun to play like a twelve string guitar. Yeah, whistle or somebody was whistle had one. And then he had a twelve string. Yeah, and then the the lead or the the main riff in what's that? Pearl Jam song that everybody likes. Oh, yeah. That's um, a 12 string bass. Jeremy spoke. Jeremy. Jeremy, there it is. Thank Took you. Took all three of us on yeah. that. Yeah, Jeremy. Earl, Earl. It's called. Jeremy. So um, good talk. So yeah, back to you. 12 string guitars. Oh, I'm done talking 20s. about me. Well, no, we didn't get we didn't <laughs> oh, okay. make it to your, to your 30s yet. Well, what are you, so what are you doing 30s, these days? So I like you know, you get into your 30s and bands start falling apart. Mm-hmm. I was in a lot of bands, they all kind of fell apart. That's weird. Staggered, but around the same era. And mm. then right around then, I was trying to do mostly live sound. And that's what I do mostly now. During the evenings and then during the daytimes, I've got a job with a firm where we design sound systems and install them all around the country. No everything kidding. from like nightclubs to high-end fitness centers to churches. Wow. To hotels. Back to nightclubs, concert venues. Um, yeah. That whole spectrum of things. Well, I didn't know any of that. That's pretty bad. Yeah, it's more <clears throat> recent, the last couple of years. Cool. I'd so. love That's to, cool, man. We'll dig into that a little mm-hmm. bit too. Sure. When uh, when when Dave was asking me, like, so who's this fucking Joe guy that we're having on the podcast? I was like, the yeah, name Dave sounds and I, so familiar. I mean, and likewise, yeah, this is yeah. the first time really meeting and figuring ever it out, hanging though, out. So, you know? well, what I, one of the things I said, yeah, blah blah, he's in these bands, but also like pretty much any time I go to a, a, a show now, like it, I. I can just assume I'm gonna see Joe at the mixing board pretty much. like if it's a good if it's like a good show, like yeah. I, I kinda just expect to see you there at this point. There's a chance. There's a chance. I'm I'm really, really fortunate that I like when I was learning how to do live sound and which I I think I still am, but when I was like bad at it, I made a point not to work any shows that I liked or wanted to work you know, like oh, stuff that I want to attend. Because yeah. you kinda really wanted attention. to suck amongst a crowd of strangers. And disappoint bands I did I didn't know. Oh, you that's know what a I mean? really like, interesting you, way. Of you have yeah. to get out and mix to get any good at live sound. Right. You're gonna fucking suck for a while. Sure. Yeah. Everyone does, but you just need hours. You need reps behind the board of like doing it and fucking up and learning not to fuck up. And I was petrified of doing that. 
for bands that I like or at venues I like or in front of people attending the show that would that I knew <laughs> yeah, that would right. form an opinion on yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, that's a good So point, I won't man. name the places, but there were places I worked at where I was like, I'm, sa- I'm kind of safe here. The other advice I'll give you, if anyone's listening to this and is like, I should do more live sound, the suburbs, oh my God, go to any of them. They have clubs. They have fucking shitty cover oh, and tribute major bands every night. Too, right? If you're a city dweller, like I think all three of us are, and mm-hmm. probably people, some people listening, yeah, you can go out to fucking Algonquin and, and mix a U2 cover band. Right. You're not going to see anybody you know there. And hey, it helps because you know the songs. So if you're like trying to figure out how to do yeah. delays or something on a voice Whoa. or That's a really reverb point, or something, man. like, you're like fuck, this guy's singing like Bono shit. I, yeah. I know where the streets have no names, so I can tap a delay or something. And maybe... You kind of cut your skills doing wow. that. We opened for Elevation at the uh, Dirty Nellies in Palatine. Oh, yeah. Which is like, they're the world's premier U2 cover band. Do you know, know what that know guy's that? doing now, by the way? Mini Bono? Uh, his name is Dano. Oh. Okay. Yeah. And it that's intentional. And uh, so Elevation broke up. He formed a Tool tribute oh, band. I'm and so he glad Maynard that you now. know this. Wow. Okay, sorry. He yeah. formed a Tool tribute band. He formed a Tool tribute band see called Lateralis. He's bald. So um, see the and he's thing. done the and he does Maynard now. And then he formed a Perfect Circle tribute wow, band where Bono he also does Maynard. Maynard. He so, went from Tool to Perfect Circle. He's That's like, and I gotta tell you about this guy. He's like the Daniel Day Lewis of cover band guys. He is like a dude, method, no method, dude, I'm, all in. I'm telling you, man. Ask any of the guys at Blaine when we played. We opened for them for some reason. We played yeah. all originals, and then they're like, "Go, <laughs> Elevation is next." And all these like, you know, moms and families came out to see him and. That dude did not turn off. You're like, you're right. Like Daniel yeah. Day Lewis, man, he did not get out of character for one second. I was, yeah. So like, he's the same with Maynard. He shows up at the venue at like three or four p.m. Holy shit! In man. like Maynard mode and stays in Maynard mode all day. Wow. You know, I try to be a pretty open minded guy, but that just strikes me as kind of fucking crazy, guys. <laughs> it's a little bit. It's a little bit <laughs> intense. Oh my god. I, I'll um, say this though: if you take what you do seriously, and he does, like he delivers. Yeah. I feel. I mean, he's I feel character. you, but. To be in character as I don't, I mean, whatever. Maybe well, maybe my mind isn't big enough to handle. It's a co- it's a tribute band. We yeah. shouldn't say cover band. It's a tribute yeah, and band. that I learned the difference at and, some point. You know, uh, what think, is it? Because I don't know what it is. Tribute band, you're playing one band's material. Yeah, cover band, you're doing a review of whatever. So mm-hmm. it's it's purely just a matter of repertoire. Yeah, so like I, like I did the Queens of the Stone Age thing with some yeah. buddies. That was a tribute band. You played it because that? we just yeah. did Queens, right? Totally. And the idea is like we're okay. all not. We don't take it as far as like a lot of bands do, where like each person replicates a member of the band yeah, and dresses right. up like them and kind of shit. We, were, I mean, that was really loose. And same with the LCD thing, mm-hmm. where it's like it's just a group of friends just playing those playing tunes. the songs. Yeah. But the more extreme version of that is like what Elevation was, with, where it's like well, and you dress up, you play the instruments that match. You yep. know, yeah, I mean, you match the instruments, and you uh, you don't like switch instruments with like no, you're not like person you don't take turns singing. Like one no. guy's got his got his. Part, you were trying you know? to you're replicating. Bono was Bono. Through and through. Adam Clayton was Adam Clayton. Edge yes. was Edge. Uh, what was Larry Mullen? That's name? the other Thank guy. You. Yeah, Damn, yes. Larry Mullen. I was, I was um, trying to pull that. Well, the other thing I was going to say about that is, you, it's nice gear at those places. Like Dirty Nelly, they didn't, you know, spare any expenses building that. I would assume it's okay. Yeah, yeah. actually, Nelly's isn't bad, and the guy who mixes out there uh, is a guy I know and work with. He's great. Awesome. Great engineer. So you get treated well there. I've had the same Nelly's experiences only with being in tribute bands that we were in too obscure of tribute bands for the suburban crowd to know. Mm. Like the Queens of the Stone Age thing did a gig at Nelly's with. Like Red Hot Chili Peppers tribute and mm. some other tri- and like you don't hear a lot of afterwards. Queens on the people radio. are like, "That was cool. Were those your songs?" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, we're like, 
I'm trying to think what would even be the song or the that LCD regular band people would know. Did Nelly's. Well, it would be the No One Knows. Song. Is it No One Knows? Yeah, yeah for sure. I guess. That would, would be the probably most popular one. LCD does I don't think not Q-1 have a song. Q101 exists anymore, buddy. Yeah, yeah it does. Does it? Yeah. Really? KQX, yeah. 101.1. Okay, but it's not called They're my second favorite Chicago radio station. What's your first favorite? 93 one. I'm a big XRT. You're a big XRT guy? But only because they mix it up. I really like Rock 1035. Personally. They still have that? No, that that ended when I think in well, the, that's what I'm like saying. the mid nineties. Yeah, dude. I wish that still The Blaze. Was it the Blaze? It was the Blaze before yeah. Rock One Three Five. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Last two wow. songs they played, I remember I remember listening. I was at just Dawn of Guitar playing at my buddy's house. We and, and we were playing some guitars badly. And then uh they played um Sad But True and Nothing Else Matters. And then Who was, was, was it? it like Man Cow or no, was, I don't or, think it was I don't think it was any like fa- maybe it was Man I just don't remember. It definitely wasn't no Man Cow was a morning guy. It, it, it yeah. was like oh, the evening. Yeah, the it was evening. after school, I remember. Um Do you remember the last day of Q one oh one? No. Oh that was it. What happened then? I mean they played music and then they, and then they shut off the station. But it was yeah. like it was I remember listening to it. I was out of my Q one one phase at that point. Yeah. But then I heard it was ending, and I was Dude. like, I got to pay tribute and listen. You know, maybe I did listen, and I just smoked too much weed. What about The Loop, 97.9, became like a Christian station? Yeah. yeah, it did. And they played Highway to Hell as like the last song. Yeah, they That's had this badass. playlist, dude. If you look through it, I think it's still I, online. It's all of these songs that are like, you know, Sign of the Beast and like fucking, you know, all that shit. Number of the Beast. That too, man. Damn all right. that, dude. Pentagrams and everything. Well, as long as you're uh, interested in in old Chicago radio, that's mm-hmm. going to be a very interesting little conversation for you to listen to. Yeah. Um, let's get into some of our segments because uh, we've got some of those Ministry of Corrections. Um, I actually, I don't think did we have I don't did you have anything that you wanted to correct from last week? I I didn't catch anything. It's pretty smooth. I think I'm we're get, getting better. I think, or I'm just getting lazier. <laughs> it's, both are probably. I didn't catch it, anything. I don't know. Fair enough. So I guess we'll just say, you know, subscribe to Instagram because that's what people do these days um oh thanks for the people that actually listened all the way through the end of the last episode and heard us talk about the sticker giveaway for anybody who listened through all the way last episode Free sticks, we, man. another another batch of stickers going out i've got those uh all all set up over there but we're almost out of those so you know if anybody wants them just hit us up and we'll uh we'll mail you some out make sure you grab one also one yeah absolutely well. yeah one or two put it put it on your trapper keeper mm-hmm. um what else? Um, oh yeah, Nam, we're going to that. So again, like, thanks for the people that have reached out to us about that. But let's let's hang out more there. Let's fucking party. Like, we'll be there. Want to be rock stars for like four days. We'll be there. We just got some exciting news that friend of the podcast that we've talked about probably almost every episode, Brad uh, from Sweden, is going to be in LA at that time. So we're gonna. We might be bringing them to Nam with us. Yeah, dragging them out to Anaheim. It's yeah, possible. I know, making them take the the forty five minute uh, ferry ride. Oh, um, so yeah, Nam. Come say hi. We'll, we'll, we'll figure some shit out there. Um, I'm going to throw it over to Dave for one of my favorite segments, and that is Dave's Docs. <laughs> you can you can sample that if you want yeah, to. That's great. I love it. Dave's Docs. Um, yeah, you didn't even put it in the outline this time, so it's a complete surprise to me. I well. am so I happy that we brought is. this up already. Um, we were talking about Pearl Jam earlier, and I watched 20. It's about Pearl Jam. Oh, yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Have you ever seen it? It's pretty good, man. I think I might have turned yeah. it on at some point. Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, All right, good review. Next segment. Next yeah, no, I would say you know it's uh, it's kind of cool. What I, is it? What the fuck? It, what is it? It's the story of their whole it's just their story. how they got together. Well, they started as Mother Love Bone, mm. and then that singer was like this right. total rock star yes, dude, totally. and he he OD'd, and then 
then they got together with like Chris Cornell and he's in it a bunch, which is kind of RIP Chris Cornell. It's kind of sad to watch him, you know, talk oh, yeah. about somebody else being depressed and, you know, going through addiction and stuff. Fuck. Um, and then, but then they, then they find Eddie that he was, uh, he was working in like San Diego at the time, I think, or something. One of those Californian, uh, surfy areas. And he got a hold of their demo tape somehow. And he wrote them back within like a week. He sent him some songs that they recorded, you know, the instrumentals and mm -hmm. he sent them back the overdubs and they were just like, fuck yeah, let's get this guy up here. And they went up and he, as soon as they picked him up from the airport, He's like, dude, I don't want to dick around. Let's go straight to your rehearsal space. Let's start hashing out these songs. They played their first show within five days of uh, meeting him. So I thought that was pretty cool. Damn, that's pretty baller. Yeah. And uh, pretty much that was what I took away. Oh, th their name was Mickey Blaylock. Mookie Blaylock. Mookie Blaylock. Like the basketball, started, player. the basketball that's player. That's right. That's why the album 10 is called 10. Because that was his number. That was his number. I, so. That's a fact that I have known and then totally obviously forgot. I had no idea. And, yeah. I, I, and I saw that doc. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's all good. I must have been in the bathroom. Yeah. As soon as they said it, I remembered. I was like, oh, Mookie Black. I remember that. Fuck yeah. Um, anyways, good doc. Definitely recommend it. So um, I give it a I'm gonna, solid. I'm going to push you on the spot here. I decided while I was editing last yeah. week, it's taken us 24 episodes, but I want to like actually assign a rating to these yeah. things when we're doing it. But I want the scale to be completely like irrelevant and, yeah. and basically like what conan o'brien used to do on his show like yeah. i'll give it 17 conans right um what, what's your what's your i give rating? it i give it 46 and a half licks licks yeah oh shit like yeah. the like of a tootsie pop or no like licks rock? man come on bro it's gear hunks <laughs> sick riffs we're not, we're not candy hunks over here yeah um oh, so yeah dude, 46 and a half licks 46 and a half licks i've got a i've got a i've got to give you a little surprise here i've got i i was digging through some stuff and I found what I think should be next week's Dave Doc, Dave's Docs. Okay. And, I, and I've got it right here. I haven't right taken here. one a suggestion. I yet. know. I've got it right here for you. Uh, what I'm handing you right now Wait, hold on. is the oh, hell yeah. <laughs> entire 2005 Chicago Bears oh my God. Uh, Super Bowl season. That's on, right, baby. On VHS? On DVD. <laughs> oh, these are DVDs. Oh, so there's like 12 DVDs. Three double disc size. Oh, you asshole. You got to turn Dave's it off done. right after Hester returns the opening kickoff. Wow. Oh, touchdown. that's cool. It'll, it'll Each be the game best just hit stop. Each game is a DVD. A yeah, man. Got your got the whole wow. thing. Wow. I don't Thanks. remember why or how I have that. Did you get this at a garage yeah, what, sale? What in the somebody, name of disposable income? Somebody is definitely that? made that. I didn't pay for that. I that's don't know where I got clearly it. Clearly bootleg. It, yeah, oh, it's bootleg for days. Oh shit, yeah. This it's is got like paper. bad printer. It's paper. got the paper uh, on the CDs. Oh my god. I, I I know that at one point I went through an entire DVD purge and I got rid of everything that I owned. And because that that is a bootleg, obviously I could not have sold it. Not that I would have, anyways, but right. that will forever be. In oh, my and it's got profession. the final score of the game on the DVD. It's like so it you don't spoils have spoils the fucking yeah, game spoiler. the second you look at the Steelers <laughs> yeah. kicked the shit out of the Bears. He was dead the whole 11, time. Printed right yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, go Steelers. All right, but this is cool. So, yeah, and yeah, I, I, you know, I forgot the fact that it has like each each individual disc has the printed out has label the... and everything with the <laughs> the helmet logo. That's hysterical, and the dude. Yeah. So if I watched three discs a day. Yeah, until gotta, next week. Yeah, we're good. Just prioritize it, and then dude, it will be my number one priority. And then we'll talk about <laughs> and it. And I'll for talk all 40, about 45 it. Forty-five seconds of in podcast. game three of two thousand. Yeah. Did they edit out the commercials? I don't remember. Uh, we'll have to. What we'll if they weren't? There's out. like old Pizza Hut commercials and shit. I yeah, bet. I bet they did. Yeah, but I, I I literally can't remember where I even got that. But I will. It's That's my so prize possession. I'll never. Yeah, get I'll get right on that, man. Uh, uh, well, what do you got for us? I got a little riff riff library. Uh, oh, we got it on the table next to you. Riff library. I'm gonna need you to hand me it because I forgot the name of it because it's just kind of like this one? a basic name. There's yep. two books over here. Um, this is, 
And I so I've, I just I just got this recently, and I'm I'm not even near finished with it. But it's called "How to Service Your Own Tube Amp: A Complete Guide for the Serious Musician" by Tom Mitchell. And you know, hand it around, a little show and tell for the class. Um, so I don't know. Is I, it for I, any tube amp? So basically, what it is is it starts from the beginning, from all the components. It explains how everything about a guitar or bass or whatever hi-fi tube amp works, and then very specific ways and how to mod build repair you name it with them so yeah i just i I felt very comfortable doing everything pretty much anything imaginable to a guitar in my own guitar for a long time but i've always been kind of afraid of tube amps in a lot of ways like i built pedals for a while i understand electronics work but like there's just something kind of scary about tube amps so i decided Mm. i needed to buy a book and take it seriously so i can actually i think it's the warning i don't don't know if you should take this seriously the the drawing of the guy on the cover he's holding (laughs) the hot part of the soldering iron the hot part of the soldering full hand shooting lightning out of that's already yeah two two red flags but because i treat he doesn't look very responsible i treat dan Erlewine and all things stupid mac as gospel that is their the book the tube amp book that they sell cool um got that in recent order so yeah i've definitely learned some things so far um, but mostly i'm just doing it like i said to kind of make myself not be afraid of killing myself with this yeah the best advice is don't die don't die yeah i mean keep you know keep your hand in your pocket discharge caps that's kind of like some of the big things but you know again if anybody listening to this is is thinking about working on tube amps don't don't take my advice. Be very careful and only do it if you know exactly what you're doing. Yeah. You can definitely don't die. Just start jabbing a screwdriver in there. No, don't. Use Unplug it from the wall too is good advice. That's that's Ooh. number yeah. one. First. Yeah. First, first advice right there. So we'll get that up on the website. Yeah, it looks gearhunks.com uh, with links and all that good stuff. Our reviews. Cool. Those are those segments. I'm gonna get to one of my new favorite segments that's been added recently to the show grinding my gear hunks and this is where i talk about things that that grind my gears somehow uh, he's able to find one one a week i don't know how he does it i usually have to i have to edit it down i have to edit the list down i've got a running outline uh this week i want to talk about how much oh is sophie being making noise over there how much i hate the just putting out feelers post like if someone's selling something just putting out feelers see yeah, if anyone this happens mostly on Facebook, and and the only reason I have Facebook anymore is for Facebook Marketplace. When people are like, I've got this eight string guitar, just putting out feelers to see what kind of offers I could get, and they don't put a price. They don't put a price, or that they're even going to sell it. They're just like, I'm just putting out feelers. What does that? They even think mean? like all these people are going to be like, I need that. I want. That. I guess. Or they're just trying know. to show it off. Maybe they're trying to show it off. Maybe they're trying to see if someone's stupid enough to offer them a crazy deal in trade or cash for it hmm. i don't know but clearly by my agitated voice and raised blood pressure levels yeah this really grinds my gears wow just fucking cut it out don't do the putting out feelers post they just want to show off pictures of their eight string guitar i've got to be honest as much as i know that you are constantly looking at listings all day i'm all surprised day. that you're not more upset about this i just go right past those man really yeah i can't i mean I, unless it's like a really cool guitar but usually it's not because nobody who says just putting out feelers is actually has cool gear Mm. I'm calling it. Because they, by proxy, are not cool themselves. I'm calling it, Therefore, their gear wouldn't be cool. Find me one post that says putting out feelers, and it's actually something you really want. Like, even if it's something totally, like, unobtainable, like a crazy, like a 60 Strat or something. Mm. Nobody does that. I can't think of one. Just putting out a feeler. Yeah, so cut it out with that shit. They're just showing off their shit. If you're listening... And you put out feelers, cut that shit Nobody out. paid attention in the other forum where you posted your stuff, and now you want to post it like you're going to sell it, but you're not. Yeah, the gear page wasn't sucking yeah. your balls over your <laughs> seven-string Ibanez. Was gear sluts, a sh- that was a page, right? Oh, yeah, I think yeah. it still exists. 
Yeah. It's pretty close to our They were, area. back in my Zounds days, Gear Sluts was actually one of the, I think they might have been the top affiliate yeah. for Zounds. Like, they made Zounds a shitload of money. No shit. Yeah. Mm. Oh, because of the banner ads? Because of the banner ads. And yeah. and all the reviews would have links to Zounds gear. Now I remember nice. that. Yeah. Mm. Cool. Cool tidbit. Well. Fuck them. Just, em. just Fuck remember. The feelers. Those guys don't have shit. It'll make you feel Thanks. better. Thanks. That's that's gonna be my new mantra. That's how I like to I like to round out each segment <laughs> by trying to make shit. Henry feel better. Thanks. It'll be all right. Oh well, I need that sometimes. <laughs> Just rolling through the segments here. This is a good one. Uh, band buds, and this is one where uh, I'm gonna throw this over to you, my friend Joe. Okay. This is a segment where we just like give someone the opportunity to talk about one of their bands or maybe their friend's band uh, that they think is is cool and that the world should know about. Friends, bands who are cool. Or like just if there's something that is there is a someone that you're a band bud with that you think like, you know what, the, these podcast listeners, they should check yeah. that shit out. Have you guys talked about Dan Lou yet? Dan Lou's Dan Lou was our first guest on Dan the podcast. Dan Lou's been on the podcast. Episode, I'm a massive Dan Lou fan. Yeah. Uh, for his playing. Oh yeah. Um Ooh, I, I would love to I would love to talk nice yeah. things about Dan right now. I would that love to hear great. someone else besides us talk yeah. about Dan Lou. Oh, yeah, God, you were bandmates with him. I was fortunate enough for a short yeah. time. Oh, wow, yeah, this is way too small, circle-y stuff, yeah. right? No, Am I supposed to introduce you guys to something, like some new person? No, 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 no. I, would love for you, I would love for you to say nice things about yeah, Dan Lou. Yeah, it's up to you. I just love his playing Yeah, oh, so and his approach, like a lot. Yeah. And I get in situations where I've, I've been really lucky where I, I, I play in a lot of bands with, or have played in a lot of bands with other guitarists who are always way fucking better than i am mm-hmm. and they're always courteous and, and nice enough to not make me look totally terrible by proxy mm, but like you know nice. i played with jim turk for 10 years and he's an amazing uh, he's amazing a lot of things he's an amazing guitarist but he's an amazing parts writer like he just shits yeah, out Jim's great ideas awesome constantly yeah we'd be you know we'd be in like a studio and i'm like i have to find something for me to do in the song to be like well what about this and just like the coolest part you've ever there's heard. a here here's 10 mm-hmm. ideas like, well, I've been working with this for like a month. I've got <laughs> but yeah, all 10 of these are better than what I got. And he's yeah. like, yeah, just play those. And then I get to play like someone else's brilliantly written part. That's cool. And then I get to look competent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's all him. And then like I, I was in Bailiff for a stretch, like when they were touring. Right, I forgot. With Josh that. Siegel. Yeah, and Josh, Josh Siegel is a fucking insane guitarist Josh, as yeah. well. And I didn't have to write anything. He's like, no, just we'll we'll double parts here. We'll do octave up, octave down, mm-hmm. or like everything was written for me by a guy who's amazing at writing parts. Mm-hmm. I love getting to do that. I'm not a songwriter. I'm barely a parts writer. It's like all glory, no fucking effort. <laughs> well, you could have fooled me because I didn't know any of that and I've seen you play live many times and I always thought that you were ripping. Oh, so. I'm a con. <laughs> that's a hump. That's a hump. <laughs> Hey man, fake it till you make it. It's a humble thing to say, though, man. A lot of people won't even, you know, admit that. They'll be like, "Oh, I came up with that shit." I mean, I think like over the years, I've got parts in certain songs I've written that I really like. I've never not done it, but I think there's so many times when I've kind of crutched on other people around me that I think have made me look competent by proxy. Hmm. But yeah, Jim, Dan, and Josh immediately came to mind. Hell yeah! And there's more beyond that, but. Dude, to go back to Dan for a second, I was actually oh, yeah, just talking about Love that Fest. because so Mark, new segment, who you've mock, who you've what's mm-hmm. up? You've played bands with him. Him and I have started a band, and so we're we're in this period right now where we're writing a bunch of stuff, and we're like we're both kind of control weirdos, so we're like just trying to keep it to people for as long as possible. We've been talking to Dan; he's probably going to play some drums with us. But I was saying to to, to Mark that I was like I I said I want to be the only guitar player in this band. Like there is no other guitar player I want to play with. 
unless it's Dan Liu. Like he's the only dude that I know that like Correct. I feel like no matter what I do is going to make it better. Yeah. And now he's going to be your drummer, so. And now he's probably yeah, <laughs> we'll see. But he'll, uh, and he'll be great at that. He, oh, Dan Dan I mean he's he's just we've we we like to love on Dan here, but he just like one time we were hanging out and he just like sat at my piano and started playing amazing shit. I was like, "Oh, I didn't even know you played that." Amazing. Nope. One of the best musicians I've yeah. ever shared a space with. Love yeah. you, Dan. Love you, Dan. And he's a, and around. he's doing Inktober right now. Drawing beautiful drawings. Every yeah, he's an artist. He's a great artist. Who knew? Yeah. I didn't. I didn't either. And he's a dad. And he's, and and he's, he's an a amazing, great dad. Dude, his kid is the coolest kid, too. We went to brunch once. Old Jasper. What's up, Jasper? I know you're listening. And I, we went to Funkenhausen. It was me, him, Todd, and his child. And I've never in my life had as much attention from an entire restaurant as we did because his kid was sitting with us. Every single waiter and waitress in that place came up to hang out with us because his kid was so cool. They literally brought us free quiche just to have an excuse to come hang out at the table with that <laughs> wow. kid. Yeah. So Dan is truly great at every star quality. Does. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, that was Band Buds. Super happy to, to love on our friends during Band Buds. Oh, yeah. That's what it's for. Uh, last segment that we usually do. Uh, I've got a couple for, for this week. I'm excited about the, this. Is the one that we call "Fuck the Police," mm. uh, where we talk about reasons that we hate the police. <laughs> <laughs> the band? Yeah. Oh, okay. But or we, law enforcement what, in general. Any, really? any way you want to. Take I feel it. like we need to clarify okay. this every week too. We don't hate the police. I don't want to clarify. I say I'm just going to let that run. You hate the police. I mean, I don't, but I like saying that I hate the police. It will fuck the police. Yeah, because yeah. it's just so fun. It's fun to say. Um. See, if this was my podcast, I'd have a segment called Fuck the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. And we like that yeah, as I well. am super You guys into that? that. Mm-hmm. Oh, All right, my great. God, that yes. band fucking sucks. All right, let's go into Fuck RHCP for a Are second. Are we cool here. with that? I don't, I'm Dude, not trying to steer the ship cool here. We fly by the seat of our God nose. God damn. Like, oh, what about what we're start? Is it, is it, is it Anthony Kiedis? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's Anthony Kiedis. Times a thousand. Yeah. Uh, and it might just be that. It might just be Fuck Anthony Kiedis. Because yeah, I don't think anyone else in that band outright offends me. I hate sla- okay so I've said that I don't make rules for things. I I have two rules for every band that I start. No chorus pedals and no slap bass. So wait, yeah, wait. that's the thing. No perloid pick guards either. Your other people are allowed to play them. I just think oh, they're, that's okay. they're, they're disgusting. All right. I just didn't know if we could be in the same point. You'd be embarrassed to be on stage with them then, right? What's that? You'd be embarrassed to be on stage with them. Yeah, what if I was like, bro, check it out. It's throwing off your style. Look, I think at this point, it's clear that like I you know, I only hang out with cool gear players, so like I wouldn't even have to worry about it. What about a Perloid drum set? Ooh, that's sexy as hell. I like, like that. Nice, yeah, like, like old, old Ludwig. Ludwig. Yeah, yeah, like that snowflake. Oh, yeah. Now we're talking. Yeah. Um, oh, when we, were, we just went and visited the Lakeland factory. Uh, the, it was pr- super awesome. Uh, and we both have a new favorite guitar finish because yeah. of that. And it was called... I think it's called Cocaine. Cocaine White. <laughs> and not because like we're drug heads, but like... Drug heads! Yeah, <laughs> that's how you know we're not drug heads. Just in case my, said that my we're dad's not drug listening. Heads. Uh, <laughs> we're not drug heads or anything, but... um. It was the coolest color I've ever seen. It was like a smaller snowflake. It was like a really tiny, almost yeah. almost a glitter, but not even a but glitter. Not a is glitter. that their actual published name for it? Or is it they're like, no. hey, you're here at the factory. It was a dude a made his own guitar wink. for himself. Okay. Yeah. One they're like master builder dudes made his own. But he came up with that color. And he I came think. up with that color, yeah, for his own Cocaine guitar. Cocaine white. Cocaine white. It was only a matter of time. Fucking awesome. If Dr. Roxo was real, that <laughs> he would have he would have a cocaine white guitar for sure. Yeah. 
Dude, what was back this? to Red Hot Chili Peppers? I felt like I was gonna. Oh yeah, wait, can real I, quick. Can I say? Can I talk some shit about and, Anthony? And then I want to please. Second? Too, yeah. I used to. So I used to live further up the street here in Ukrainian village, and there was a dude that lived across the street from me. And I'm always like, I was always out on my front porch on this place, so I just knew like the people who lived on their front porches. And there was a dude that I started calling to myself and anybody who would listen, Anthony Ukitas, because he was the Ukrainian Anthony Kitas. <laughs> he was. He looked like a Ukrainian Anthony Kitas. Had a fucking mustache, and I shit you not, I don't think I ever saw him with a shirt on not once nice. even in the winter this dude was That's constantly fucking shirtless he's bodied up too so i i'm glad that i finally got a reason to talk about anthony yuki That's so great <laughs> yeah dude it's it's a it's a tough one with the chili peps man what because, do you got well obviously i'm a bass player and if you don't you know if you don't at least appreciate what flea can do don't say you have, i'm not saying you have to do it but if you don't appreciate yeah. it as a as a learning bass player to know that these people are out there then you're, you know, if you kind of close the door oh, there, if you you're not going to get Flea isn't great, you're wrong. Yeah, yeah. Flea is fucking awesome. Uh, Chad Smith, you know, fantastic drummer. Awesome drummer Shout yeah. out to Dave Navarro for that one record. Yeah, yeah, on. one hot minute, baby. Yeah, one hot that's minute. That's the only listenable Chili Peppers. Dude, and that's probably sacrilege to a, Chili Peppers fans. I fuck them. Dig that record. Still uh, that to this record's day. got some. Yeah, yeah, totally listenable shit. It's on got some good songs on it. Um, and then you know, for Shanti, obviously, it was a great, great guitar player. It still is. And I would say. Um, one of the coolest gear well, are you a collection. Josh Klinghoffer fan? He's their current guitar player. Mm. I, I'm surprised I was able to come up with that. That was really, you pulled that out. Yeah. Of, you sure you don't love the Red Hot I mean, isn't I he know. just a Frashanti clone? He's a taller Frashanti, I think. Oh. He even plays like some of his old strats and shit and has a thousand pedals. So I think we could go back to say that he just ruins the band. Ketis. Ketis. Yeah. Yes. Everything about them. Because you've fan. heard them jam instrumental. Like they do it, if you ever watch their live shit at a festival, they'll, you know, they'll kind of have like jams and they'll, the band will just be like improving. It's cool. I mean, it's not, you know, amazing. It's cool. It's still not, still not my thing. No, right. It's, it's still not like even them white boy list is not something, yeah, that I would seek out. Yeah. It just doesn't offend me. It's, yeah. I think it's him specifically yeah. and his shit lyrics. And his shit rapping and his <laughs> moany <laughs> choruses. <laughs> I don't know what even one song that is. It's, it's all, all of them, dude. It's all of them. Playing at the same time. Oh, um, man. This is the best possible way Fuck the Police could have gone. Yeah. Oh, good. Wait, you did have something. I've though. got two things for Fuck the Police and this week. This... I've started seeking them out because I just hate them so much. Um, dude, did you know that fucking Sting has a Broadway production? He is an right actor. Now? He's an actor. Yeah, he's insufferable. Dude, he he he's in a fucking Broadway show, The Last Ship. Let's shout it out. Yeah, The Last Ship. Yeah, he needs our he needs our attention on his. <laughs> People it, are coming just to and see. I only is know it a musical. It's it's yeah, it's a musical and and he was in it on Broadway and now they're taking it to DC. He's fucking touring as an actor. I mean, I get it. I know he was in whatever the Labyrinth or whatever fucking movie. Yeah, in, I was trying to think of what back he was day. in a famous movie. Yeah. Uh, he's been in plenty of shit, but that doesn't mean I have to not say fuck him. That's a great topic for the week, though. Dude, second fuck the police. Oysterhead got back together. Yeah, they did. Whoa. Yeah. No way. For those who don't know, you got Oysterhead, beef with Stuart Copeland though. He's in the police, so I have I have beef with. So any, he's got any proxy member. beef, like yeah. uh, like the way I hate whoever plays guitar in the Red Hat Chili. That's Peppers. right. Yeah. Exactly. Klinkenheimer. Uh, Oysterhead John, was a, John Clinkenham was a short-lived one record album that Oysterhead I remember being bad very excited ass. about when it came out because it was like in the height of my high school listening to Fish but still not smoking weed days and it was it was tra- a super group Tra- Tra- a from Fish Les Claypool from Primus and Stuart Copeland from The Police super group yep Awesome. Um, on that paper, record's bad. Some of the best possible. Yeah, but the music came out horrible. There yeah. was I remember there being one song that just sounded like a fish song or like a Trey Soul mm-hmm. song that I thought was good. That I was the hit. Couldn't even tell you what it is, Red Balloons or some bullshit. But that's that's right. There's very 
Trey songs and very Les songs. That's right. On there. Clearly, it was never. Oyster and I don't head. think there's really yeah like a collaborative thing they both did that sounds like something different than either of them as individuals. Do, All right, do, off do the top of your head, Oysterhead. favorite supergroup. Oysterhead. No. Uh, <laughs> I f- I stand hard for Oysterhead, bro. Uh, wow, you're gonna have to throw that back to me because I feel like we talked about supergroups like a couple weeks ago. Did we really? And if I don't dig up who I said then, you know, I'm gonna contradict myself. Do you, I'm just, I don't want you to think too hard about it. Yeah. I want you to just be like traveling Woolberries. I don't know. That was oh, just the one that came to my that'd mind. That'd be actually a really that's good the one. be all end all. Yeah, it kind of is. Doesn't get better. So then, that. therefore, too easy of an answer. It is, and they really only had like one awesome song over two full records. I'm gonna say Audio Slave. Are you fucking with me right now? Dude, what? Seriously? That's the most Q101 answer I've ever heard. A Q101 second Dude, favorite I, radio station. I'm going to disqualify that as a supergroup. That is a new lead singer of the same band. It, I'm saying supergroup. It's going to have to be at least members of three okay, bands. Okay, that's fair. Least members of three bands. Yeah, because I feel fair. like otherwise it's just like Mother Love Bone becoming Pearl Jam. Like what was the gun? Velvet Revolver? You see that? That was a callback. To that me. wouldn't yeah, count either, right? Velvet Revolver? No, that... I that mean, was two that, bands combined. What well, was that? It was like Guns N' Roses with Sammy Hagar or something. No, no, it was uh, Scott Weiland. Scott the, but then also like people from bands I'd never like not super people that have become super because not of super people in that band. Like I think the main driving force of that band was this guy like Dave Kircher or something like that that wasn't all that famous before that band. I don't know. We're we're quibbling a little bit right here. Yeah, I like it. You know what? I just thought of one. Uh, and, and it's only because we were talking about it earlier that I just discovered it. And this is actually, by my own rules, not qualified, but I'm still going to talk about it anyways. Did you ever hear Rebel Meets Rebel? Nope. It is Pantera minus Phil Anselmo oh. plus David Allen Coe. And they released a record. David Allen Coe? That was the yeah. name of it? I didn't even look at the band Rebel Meets Rebel. I think me. that's what it I'm pretty sure that's Oof. what it was called. And, I, and I'm and i a huge Pantera fan. So, like, I, I of course, the second I heard about this, I had to go and listen to it. And it is exactly what you think it is it's hysterical because it's, it's 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 Dimebag, it's vinnie paul and it's fucking rex brown plus david allen cope but they're kind of just playing sort of like what i describe as texas party metal uh like you know sort of fun major sounding riffs with a little bit of hick it's hard to describe texas party metal was zz top it's like if z if it's like if zz top had written a bunch of pantera songs with yeah. a much worse singer because it sounds, Co sounds like poop he sounds like shit it. he yeah. sounds drunk dude oh he sounds real drunk it sounds like, i gotta hear that yeah yeah you really can't not, describe it i don't need to hear it i listen to two tracks well, and that is, was enough I if you like Dimebag, it's there's some cool riffs there's yeah. some sweet lead playing whatever and it was they i guess they i had to look it up they recorded it from 99 in spurts from 99 to 2003 I think Dimebag died in, was it 2000? Maybe 2004. And then they released it after he died, like 2006. Mm. So it was like a posthumous kind of deal. Mm. Um, anyways, you have a, do you have a super group? Yeah, and it's going to be very uh, self-congratulatory uh, pig face. Ooh, okay. Industrial super group. Yeah. I'm going on tour with him next month. No doing, shit. Doing front of house, doing sound Wow, for that's badass. Uh, it is a, do you guys know anything about this movie? Yeah, I'll tell, tell you. Tell me. So tell me. Pigface was founded by most of the members of Ministry mm-hmm. at the height of Ministry around like 1990 or so, um, minus Al Jorgensen, basically the rest of the backing band. Plus a bunch of people, plus Trent Reznor to start. Um, early on, they had members like Flea was a member for a minute, wow. calling back RCP. I didn't know that. Michael Jira from Swans, uh, David Yao from Jesus Lizard. The list of people who have been in the band, over 100. But they put out six or seven records. They haven't toured in 14 years. We're going out next month. Uh, members wow. include Randy Blythe from Lamb of God. No He's going to be singing vocals. Danny Carey from Tool will be playing drums Holy on some of the shows. Chris Connolly from Ministries on some of the dates. 
uh, Mary Biker from uh, Pop Will Eat Itself, if you want to get deeper into cool. the industrial canon. Um, Leslie Ranking, who's an original member. Uh, like, It is a super group. It was designed to be an interchangeable, constantly revolving lineup. It's pretty badass. And then yeah. Martin Atkins, the leader of the group, he was in Public Image Limited in the 80s, and then Killing Joke, and then Ministry. So he's got it. He's he plays on uh, fucking Pretty Hate Machine. Jesus, dude, I didn't he's know a drummer that they were in, even like, touring. Uh, they had like a whole video and stuff. Wait, so, so you're going on the road as a sound guy with them? As a sound guy with them, yeah, next man. month. Fuck. Are you doing um, rehearsals and everything already, or how is that working? They've done a couple. Um, the week before we go out, we'll be like uh, over at. 2112 is that what they call up at fort knox oh, they've got yeah. like kind of a primo i was gonna say space. They, mm-hmm. i got a space down the street if they need some room <laughs> yeah got, with fully backline but yeah. it's got i mean at times we, we did shows three years ago and we did a show at the house of blues and at points there was 40 members on stage it's just Jesus. a total shit show they probably got to use like the live live room like the one of those crazy ones like oh, uh, yeah showcase room i saw yeah. I, I just recently um exited a job where i was doing audio engineering and stuff at superior street sure um and so i yeah. think i applied for that job at one point oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was dude, honestly, like now I can talk about it because I left there. Uh I and I'll tell you why after the podcast. Fair. Um uh it was a great job, man. Super cool gig, but um it's the there were some issues with it with scheduling where I wouldn't get my schedule until like for the week until late in the week, and that was kind of challenging, especially with trying to do things like have a podcast and a girlfriend and a band and stuff. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, honestly, I, I only have great things to say about that place. It's a good my, facility. My there. Yeah. Really cool facility. We've rented out rooms there before yeah. for like single rehearsals. Great space. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. So, cool. Yeah, now I, I guess now the world can know that I worked there for a while because I, I don't know. I just didn't really want to talk about that kind of stuff while I was doing it. And they're a little bit sort of secretive, I think, about certain things. So, you know, yeah, it's cool. But yeah, so so what are you, when you're when you're like, are you bringing any gear with you, like, or is it On just tour? like their stuff? Yeah, I gotta figure that out. Yeah, man. it's yeah. We're not the tour doesn't have the kind of budget where I can bring my own console mm-hmm. or anything like that. Rent something. Yeah, uh, which makes it kind of fun that every day you show up at a different room mm-hmm. with a completely new setup of gear and you just got a couple hours to make it work. Well, dude, it's not like they're just like a a power trio with a bass player and a guitarist or something. That's a crazy. setup. No, it's a crazy setup, but it's the same fundamental thing every day you yeah, know what i mean like sure. the band members will change some but and the kind of it's not a dirty secret of industrial music but it's absolutely true i've done sound for a, a lot of industrial acts it's very track heavy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of course so you've got a lot of people playing live but the kind of foundation of your mix typically is pre-recorded stuff mm-hmm. sure um so if you have tracks and vocals rocking everything else finds a way to fit into the mix yeah. you're just gonna assume they've got you know yeah, but, enough compression and, and there's stuff some crazy shit up. showing up I say there's a violinist will show up for a number of days she's incredible she won the Tiny Desk concert back in 2016 Whoa, her name's oh, cool. uh, Galen Leah um, who's like a quiet folk musician she plays like really delicate kind of gentle gentle folk music and she's playing found a way face. in wow. playing the pig Dude, face awesome. yeah and she sounds awesome they're gonna run her through some pedals or something like she that, runs she yeah. loop, she's heavy into looping cool. so yeah she's a, a big looper I don't know if she does many pedals beyond that I think it's primarily looping but she works out great in the band, and then like you know, cello and sax and all these things will show up on the tour, and that you just you know you figure it out. As far as bringing gear, um, I was really into like I'm looking right past you. You got like a universal audio interface yep. right there. Uh, bringing out an Apollo and running time-based effects on it, reverbs and delays. Sure. When I encounter analog consoles, because you've got Unison technology, so it's yes. all happening in real time. There's no, no, there's very minimal latency happening. Well, so that's. Right. 
talking about time-based delays, latency is just pre-delay. If you're sending something to a delay Mm -hmm. and you've got, say, 10 milliseconds round trip of latency, that's just 10 more milliseconds of pre-delay. Truth. So if you're trying to set a 150 millisecond delay... Buck 40. Buck 40 and let the latency take, (laughs) you know... The rest of Hell it. Yeah, good math there. That's I right. Mean, good it was. math. Yeah. I mean, I but can, yeah. I can so for time based stuff and for reverbs and stuff like that, again, it's just part of your pre delay. It's use, really nothing. Are you else. using like Lexicon or the EMT 140? Yeah. I, I lucked out when I was teaching college full time for audio. UA gave me everything. Mm, so I have everything. That's so awesome, dude. And that's cool. That and it's also not cool because too many options sucks. Yep. Yeah, I feel so you. it gets weird and you go to open a reverb and you're like, wow, there's 10 of them and they're all amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, that that's kind of the thing with UA, though, is that they let you demo any of it for two weeks. Mm-hmm. So like you really do have all of it. And then like I, there were, I remember the first time I was tracking some stuff and I wanted to use auto tune. And like all of a sudden I was just like, oh, well, now I have to, I have to buy this now because I just got used to having it and using it. Yeah, but it's nothing sounds no plugins sound better in my opinion. So. They sucker you in. They do, but they're man, but yeah, that one forty plate. Yep. really useful. Um, on everything. The delays, like the tape echo is cool. Yeah, the like the faux the Roland space echo. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's they've got tricky the, the doing Cooper live sound. You need too. you need tap tempos in live sound yeah. a lot because because you do. There's not an easy way to do that on a laptop. There might be a way. I just haven't figured it out. Mm-hmm. Like maybe I need a MIDI trigger or something. I use my Ableton Push 2 for that. Yeah. That's slick. Yeah, it so works. So maybe I got it. That's a lot to bring that's out for one button. That's a lot to bring button. out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I might have to like figure out something like that's that. That's interesting. I'm surprised that they, because I know a lot of people are starting to use these things live and I'm surprised they don't have, I'm sure, I'm, I'm surprised Universal Audio hasn't really released something like with a tap tempo built into the box. They might. Yeah. Well, I know they're announcing new Apollos maybe tomorrow or no, tomorrow's Saturday. Next week, hmm. new Apollos are being announced. So maybe that'll be that. Yeah. But the other thing, though, is like that is that makes sense when you have an analog desk in front of you mm-hmm. and analog desks are all going away. Yeah. So I think we're going to hit some markets where I'll see them. And then that's a really useful thing. But other markets, when you have a digital board, it's all built. It's in. all it's all there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't really need it. I was going to actually, to go back to the tracks thing, I wanted to ask, and it doesn't even have to be specific to Pigface, but mm-hmm. are you finding, are you usually getting just a, a like a stereo sort of like two mix that's pre-mixed for you? Or are you getting individual stems of everything that you're then mixing mm-hmm. live? Depends on the band. Yeah. So there's been certain industrial bands I've mixed where, yeah, you're getting like 16 tracks, mm-hmm. 16 channels of tracks, and it's all stems, right? Mm-hmm. And then you're submixing them. My take on it is I prefer just a stereo mix from the band because ultimately the band knows how all that stuff is supposed to blend better than mm. I do. Yep. So mix it yourself and give me what you got. That doesn't limit anything that you would then do uh, to process that signal when you're sending it out to house. If they mix it correctly, I shouldn't need to. Yeah. You know, if it's all there and it's all in good balance, then great. Mm hmm. The only thing that sometimes helps is having the low frequency stuff separated out, like yeah, a bass track exactly. or something. So keep that in mono. Um, yeah, and that's cool because sometimes, you know, lows get weird in certain venues. Mm-hmm. So sometimes having ability to control it separately is really helpful. Um, sometimes having just the drum track separated out and then everything harmonic on another two channels so, is, is really like cool. From your perspective, if you could have sort of like. You know, this is you're mixing this band. It's not like you're out on tour with this band. You're mixing a band live. What would you prefer they give you? Give me stereo, just straight and mix up that stereo. shit right ahead of yeah. time. Okay, mm. but um, and then there are certain bands that like bring out their sessions. Yeah, I mixed a, a band at the Metro the other week. Uh, I don't know if I should name call them out or either way, but a very notable industrial band, and they had the whole thing like out, and they were like playing it, 
they had a mixed down to stereo going to me, but they were like running out in the house and being like, ooh, the bass is too quiet, and then going up on stage and, and changing it. it. Yeah. And so I kind of dug that. That's cool. Because it's like, dude, it's it's your music to present to people. And yeah. it's going to change. If you for think the venue, it needs right? more bass, right. then you, you call it, not me. You know, it's your song. I feel that. So they, and then they were asking, they asked me when applicable, but I like that way of working with them. It's mm-hmm. like, I don't want to tell you how your song is supposed to sound. Mm hmm. Especially if you have the ability to control it that easily. So yeah, it's good foresight by that band to to do it that way. Yeah, it was cool. And also, like they had, they didn't have good faith in their bassist, so they're like, we're just gonna <laughs> crank the bass tracks. <laughs> that's why I'm not gonna call the band. Yeah. Well, that's that's fair enough. Because um, it is it is things. sort of a separate challenge too. Because like it's a lot easier just to you know have a fucking iPod that you can send your stereo track out versus like having to have analog hardware with s- separate outputs for everything that they they can send to you. Yeah, as and that well. shit can crash too. Oh, and it, I've seen it crash at shows, and it's. Fucked It'd be up. devastating. Yeah, I mean, it just brings the whole show to a grinding halt. Yep. Who was it? Dan Deacon I was doing one time, and no his way. laptop shat the bed. Like, he, I don't know his song names very well, yeah. but he announced whatever his next song was, and it was the one everyone was there to hear. I mean, the whole oh. crowd lost their shit. They get into it 90 seconds in, his laptop bricked. Oh. And his laptop was controlling man. all of the music, yeah. all of the lighting, all of the video projections. No. So just went projection died. Lighting doesn't die typically. DMX won't necessarily go black. It'll, It'll just freeze at whatever it currently yeah, is. Right. So like if everything's spinning around like, be like a blue it, light it just over all here. freezes. Yeah. Projectors die. Room goes silent. Deacon was furious. He t- I mean he had like a 58 or something. He just fucking football spiked it on the stage <laughs> and stormed off. Like, yeah. And that was it. Man, yeah. What can you even do? Do you just have to have a redundant setup yes. waiting? Yeah. And it, like the slickest touring setups I've seen, um I can call those out. Like Tegan and Sarah have a true redundant Ableton rig where it's wow. two identical systems and they've got like an analog that are running in parallel. You right. can just mix it right. And you can literally other. you've got like an AB giant knob that wow. if one system bricks yeah. It you can it'll either automatically Seamless. switch over and it might do that currently, or you can just fucking turn wow. a knob and you're right back. That's up. fucking sweet. And it's a smart way to do it, and most bands don't do it until they're large enough yeah. to where they can afford, can afford having it. those kind yeah, of techs yeah. and that amount of gear. Damn, That's the thing. I've but, thought about trying to, to integrate even even just like this rig that I have here, I've been so worried about because I've got this whole analog synth set up, but like, yeah, if the if the if the interface dies, if the something if the computer shuts down, like mm-hmm. I'm fucked. Apollo will stay on, like if the computer turns off, like it'll just kind of stick in the default state that you mm-hmm. had it in. But yeah, that that's I mean, there's nothing to say that that wouldn't shut the bed. So really, like like we're talking about, I I decided not to because I don't want to have to buy a whole second rig, yeah. <laughs> to, just to use it live and then carry all that shit too. Not to mention, and then mm-hmm. yeah, especially if you're you know if you're on a local band level, what you're playing second to four on a bill and you yeah, got a right. ten minute changeover and you're like, oh let me let me get my like bring both of my computers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every other band, every other person in that like, room is looking at you, you like you fucking ass. Yeah, like what is this nonsense? You, I guess you would have to be like way more badass. Like if if you're super good, then you can probably get away with that. But if you're just like any other normal band, then everyone's gonna be like, "Fuck these guys." Never yeah, playing with them. Again. There are some cool songs. You know, I I wasn't gonna do this, and actually, it probably doesn't even matter because it's not gonna come out until Monday. But you've got a show tomorrow, don't you? I do. I guess it'll already be over. Yeah. So great show, man! You guys, everyone will have been there. It went really great. Yeah. Uh, the Virgin Hotel. We're playing the Virgin Hotel. I don't know yeah. If you know. They have a venue on the 25th floor. Yep. So I'm excited. Uh, it's a free show, and um, hopefully, uh, we'll get some friends to come out. And which group is this with? Uh, a band called Easy Demon. It's my new project. Okay, cool. Uh, I'm playing bass and singing in it. Uh, Charlie Nadler, our first guitar player from Blaine Fonda. 
is uh, playing guitar and my friend Russ on drums. Killer. Yeah, so it should be a good time. I'll be there with bells. You on. coming? Fuck yeah, dude. Awesome, dude. I don't want to bug you know about it, but you know, yeah. No, I'll be up front. I'll be yelling the whole nice. time, nice. asking for a free bird. You know the normal stuff. Are you guys doing? Are you doing any covers? Freebird, actually. Oh, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> Prescient. Um, Charlie we, is a great slide player, so it works yeah. out. He, the whole solo and everything. <laughs> yeah, all triple harmony. Yeah, I'm singing one of the harmonies. Yeah, yeah it's gonna be great, dude. Um, one of my all time favorite live memories is Blaine Fonda doing "I Don't Want to Miss a Thing." Oh my god! I Just sorry to a, call back another band of yours. No, dude. No, my their that, cover of "Pony" is one of my all time. Oh yeah, favorite shit, that was good too. Dude, we used to learn covers like it was nothing, and I, I I don't think my brain could do that anymore. We'd learn it in two practices yeah. and then play it at the show and then forget it. You know, and just never play it again. I don't know. There's something to that. Dude, it's working with Mark right now. We've got two covers we're working on. Okay. Are you spilling the beans on these? One of them I is, saw one is of them. by a very well-known pop star that I never in a million years would have thought that we should cover, but Mark can fucking rip it. Yeah. And so we kind of just started playing it normal. And then at last practice, I don't really remember exactly how it happened, but the chorus now is black metal. Uh, like straight up tremolo picking oh. and blast beats. So, um, Dan, I hope you're good at blast beats. But um, yeah, I saw it on that the board. That made it super fucking the, funny. Yeah. The space. So <laughs> exactly. I know what you're talking about. Um, and then the other one's a T Rex song. So, nice. You know. Yeah. Um, but covers, yeah, man, covers are fun. I like. They're I don't. So I fun. don't. I played it like briefly in a cover band, not a tribute band, a cover band, and I didn't really like that. Um, it was fun because it was just like a work sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I like being in a ba- an original band that peppers some covers in. What's fun about that is the crowd like reacts. When you, you gotta give them something, man. Yeah. If they've yeah. never heard your shit before, right. you've got to give them something. Yeah. Dude. What do you, how do you feel about that? I'm totally cool with it. The other thing I just keep trying to like push on anybody who will listen, who's younger or who is newer to doing shows mm-hmm. is like. Keep your fucking set brief. Oh, yes. If you're yes. playing in front of a room of people who don't know your material, give them your 25 best minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And get the fuck off this stage. Get the fuck off. Because, like, th- there are... Yeah, I think that's about where people's attention spans are yeah. at anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like, if I've never heard a band before and they're opening for someone else that I'm there to see and already excited to see, and this group is a holdover, if you kick my ass with five songs... Oh, I'm gonna yeah, love dude. you now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you play eight songs and only five of them were good, right? You you're, wasted your pissed time. I see, yeah, I see the headliner. As I'm, yeah, like, as I'm rewriting my set list right now. So um, then, okay. So then, <laughs> sub question: Where, where in the set list do you pepper the cover? You can do it anywhere. I think it depends on the song. Yeah, it depends on the song. Depends on the flow of your set mm-hmm. list. But it can fall anywhere. I mean, you're probably not gonna open with it. I think opening would be weird. I like closing I feel with like it if most, it's a banger. See, okay, so this is what I was going to say. I feel like most bands I've been in, the cover has come at the end, if not sort of penultimate. Yeah. Unless they're the unless it's like a like a chill song. Like I don't think we closed with the Aerosmith song. You opened with it. At Cobra, you opened with it. <laughs> there you have and it. And it was cool. See, that is a fucking But that was also a festive. Move. Yeah, but it was also like a festive You're right. like we Christmas played a bunch concert, of covers that night. Sure. And it was like the vibe was of the room where that, that was, was one totally of, the right call. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I do think that it couldn't be, it can be a good idea to get that cover near the top of the set. People may, might not be paying any it's attention, bring them yeah, in. but then they hear fucking Aerosmith and they're like, whatever, why are they doing that? One of the best gonna, it's, it's a little, it's a little yeah. attention grabber. I think God, yeah. I, f- I forgot we even covered that song ever. That's so funny. Yeah. But is that, it's, it's knowing the difference between when you're opening for somebody and playing in front of strangers mm-hmm. versus when you're playing to your, your core of whoever goes out and sees you Mm -hmm. when you're playing to them play longer and give them what they paid. If they paid to see you Mm -hmm. give them what they want, play 45 minutes 
which is about as long as anybody needs to play ever. Yeah, don't go seventy-five. You oh know, god, maniac. Two sets. Oh, Take a separate you think you are set. The boss. God damn. Um, but go forty-five. You know when you got a, you look out in the room, you're like, oh, yeah, half these people here are our friends. No, when you say forty-five, are you saying time? on stage to time off stage or are you saying that amount of music with maybe a little bit of banter and such i would say time on stage to off stage yeah right? okay all, all right. right fair um, enough yeah. so like really do a 40 minute set seven to yeah. eight songs maximum basically depending, depending on depending, unless you're like a the the descendants or something and yeah. never and never add a song because you feel you need to make your set longer Ooh. oh yeah that kind of thing like well we need to eat time Let's nobody's ever one. been impressed watching you yeah. fucking consume no. time oh, on stage. the same thing holds true for your record you, oh don't, God, need, you yes. don't need to fill Make it a shorter up. record. Make a shorter record. With better stuff on it. Yeah. I just listened to the new... Do you guys Have you guys heard of White Reaper? Do you know those guys? I've heard of them. I don't know if I've um, Doom Metal Band? No, not at all. They're oh, like... They, they, should, they sound like they should They're be. actually yeah. kind of like... Yeah, they're actually kind of like poppier, speedy, kind of like whatever. 93 XRT plays them sometimes. Mm-hmm. Anyways, they just came out with their new record today, and I listened to it this morning. It's a half an hour, and it's 10 songs. Get in, get out, baby. Dude, do it. That's awesome. good. Man. I mean, you think about it, obviously... The record length, like of an LP at max, is about seventeen or so minutes to, uh, per side. Mm-hmm. Like that was fine enough for albums until CDs. Yeah, came the out greatest albums because, ever made. Right? Because we have seventy-four minutes on a compact disc, we feel like we need to fill that shit up. Oh, God, that fuck out of here. that Chance the Rapper record that came out this year—it's eighty minutes long. Uh, yeah, well, that I was that, excited that, to check it out, I and then was, as soon as I saw that, I was like, I'm not gonna. Is there like intermissions and shit too? Where it's like there's skits talking. and that sort of shit. Like I was so I was pretty bummed out by that record, man. Yeah. I'm a I'm a Chance fan. We were talking. You know what would have been cool? Pick the best fucking nine of those. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and it's his first. I'll keep him wanting more, you know, because he had yeah. mixtapes before. This was like the first album. Maybe he's trying to go mm. big. People are shit. people are bad at self. The funny thing yeah. too is you could right. save yeah. that other that other music for another release if it goes that well. Yeah, then be like, well, we got another release in a year. We'll just pop that out then. You know? Yeah, or you if can, it's that good, if it's good, or be cool cutting See, your own stuff. Just to offer Never. a slightly contrary uh, bit of evidence here or an uh, anecdote, uh, probably vampires. My old band. Yeah, we like. We were making this like our first like big name producer EP, all this shit, and we're like, well, we're gonna do these songs and we like them, but like we're gonna save the best songs for like the full length that comes mm. after it, and then we fucking broke up and never yep. did it. That yeah. always happens. So also like maybe just like whatever your best songs are, just put it just out fucking there. put those out and there. And that's yep. it. Just pump don't save that, that shit. Mm-hmm. Agreed. That was, that's one of my bigger regrets. In fact, I remember the producer like coming to our, where we practiced, which was our singer's parents' basement coming to like our this basement to watch mm-hmm. us play and like the one song that we played that he was like that's the one that's got to be on like, the record we're like be... no like that one we're saving that it's one too and, precious and then we never fucking Dude, actually yeah. tracked it. we did that with well and i know songs. that i think i know the producer you're talking about uh-huh. and i think he is very much the embodiment of this idea we're kicking around is like he's that he's like just give us your best shit yeah don't give me any fucking filler mm-hmm. and i feel like i kind of felt that way before i because I, I know the guy yeah. i felt that way before i met him then hearing him like Hammer yeah. at home in a band I was playing with. I was like, God, that feels fulfilling. To- yep. and, and I'm nobody- sure you did actually be, uh, have the foresight to to record that song that he was talking about. I'm hoping. Yes. So you didn't you didn't save it. <laughs> didn't save it. No. But um, but just that idea of like, dude, if the track's not killing, don't put it on your record. Mm-hmm. Don't feel like you need to occupy time, recorded or live. Dude, that is some. There, are, there have been a lot of golden nuggets dropping in this episode. I love this. And, uh, we're in agreement right now. We're, we're in very much in agreement. I think that's um, an easy concept. You can throw it to anybody, and they're like, "Shit!" Now that you mention it, you are right. But yeah. dude, if you would have told that to my twenty-two-year-old self, I would have been like, ah, "Oh, if you would have told it to my twenty-two-year-old, yeah. yeah, I would have been like, no. fuck you." Old so, we're, so, so kids, <laughs> listen to your producers. Yeah. Listen to your producers, or yeah, do people even have producers anymore? I don't know. No, they, like, they do their own beats. Everybody just records yeah. their own music like I do. <laughs> um, 
Well, cool. Uh, I want to talk about a couple more things. Um, I, th- I just want to open this this up to the group because I feel like this has been a, a major, I don't know if I'd call it a point of contention between us, but it's something that we don't always necessarily Me see eye to eye on. Yeah. Nuh-uh. Parts casters. <laughs> Back to gear. Back to gear. Mm. How do you guys, how do you, let's ask the guest, Joe, what yeah, do you, what do you think about parts casters? Do you, are you, are you, do we need to define what that means? Yeah. No, I, I know, I know what you're talking yeah. about. Uh, utterly indifferent is utterly answer. indifferent. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know. Are you talking about for collectability's sake or for, Th- this is well, the, why don't we this define is it. This is the, the for the, the listeners right here. what, what we're talking about. Okay. So parts caster, I think started because Stratocasters are just like a couple parts that you can throw together. People were making their own Stratocasters. Yeah. Now at this point, I think parts caster has become a larger term to en- encompass anything where you kind of just like buy a guitar body and buy anything a, with a, a bolt on neck, essentially that you can sw- throw together and make your own sort of ad hoc instrument. Mm. Uh, so you're, you're indifferent. Yeah. As far as like in principle, should I like or not like them? Do you have any, or do you play, do you play any? I think most of what I own is kind of, I mean, started as a guitar, but then a bunch of shit got swapped out left and right on until it became its own Frankenstein weird thing. See, because that and that's an important distinction. And how too, far off is that from a parts caster? I would oh, say, no, the do neck, you have to swap the neck? Is I that think, the fucking? I, I to think. me, I think parts caster means you buy separate parts and then bring them together. I don't see it as like I bought a Squire Strat and then I bought a new I neck to put on okay. my Squire okay. Strat. Okay. To me, and that, but that is kind of a complicated issue too. And we've talked about this. Like, yeah. what? Like, is it still a Squire Strat? I mean, this is an old philosophical yeah. concept. If you build a boat and then every day for a year you replace one part of the boat, by the end of the year, it's is it still boat. the same boat? anymore right. no yeah i don't know well man. you know our fucking cells regenerate every seven years that's right are you the same henry just i don't know i i don't I have also, the answer to that that's question. something you're gonna have to correct next week when it turns out our cells don't regenerate. no it is seven <laughs> years i mean i've definitely that heard that right? that sounds I think right, that's to right. Me. it yeah. might be an old we've, wives tale that we've, we've all heard but um i've definitely heard that exact number before so that i don't is that, i don't know i don't i don't know i i personally i the only parts caster <clears throat> and to bring it back to our buddy dan I've had them. I've built them. I've built them for other people. The only there's only been one ever that I thought was a singularly awesome instrument, and that is Dan Lou's Telly that he has now, and right. and that yeah, could partially be because he bought a neck, he bought shit. a body, he bought the pickups. The body, well, the body was from the first guitar he ever had, okay. and then he tried to sand it himself and like mm-hmm. quit halfway. Yeah, it had like the half, and relic. I think it looks amazing that yeah. way. <laughs> it's like two tone. Uh, but then he bought a neck. He bought different components. We brought it over. We put it all together, and that thing sounds freaking awesome. But like you were saying, the collectability aspect of it, Dan's never, well, first of all, Dan has never sold anything ever. Yeah. But he was never going to sell that guitar. You can't expect to get even, I would say, 50 to 60% of the money you put into it, you're not going to get oh, back no if way. you try to sell it. No way. Especially so, if you buy like new parts. New parts. Oof. So you're, as as an investment, it's, it's a terrible idea. But to get the instrument that you want to play, right. that's where I think the argument can be made. Yeah. I don't know. I agree. But I was reading this. What is I it? thought you guys disagreed. I thought we this did sounds too. Sounds really amicable. But, but, but it does, doesn't it? I think you were more pro parts caster than I am. Um, based well, on all the texting that's been going on, and I was like, wait, let's not keep no, having this little. I remember. I remember the discussion. It was I sent you a, a jazz master that somebody had assembled. I don't know where from. And you said I will never buy somebody else's parts caster. Truth, I definitely did so, say that. And then I was like, well, one, it's like four hundred dollars. It's not like you know an expensive mm-hmm. guitar. And two, I get what you're saying, but you know. If you buy it, is it still a parts caster or is it just a guitar then? 
fuck. I don't know. Where's the meme with the... Yeah, I'm, um, I'm, I'm Eric Wareheim right now. Yeah, there he is. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I, I totally agree with you, man. I think if you put all this money into like a, a Warmoth build, you know, and you put yeah. or Mighty Might parts or whatever, all these expensive, you know, Fender approved parts, and then you're like, it's worth, you know, $1,800 because that's how much I put into it. Try to sell and that. And someone's like, dude, I'll give you 350 Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's that's a tough one, man. I kind of want to build a base, though. I know you do. Mm. You want to get the uh, slab body? I want to do the '66 John Entwistle uh, slab P, the white with the black. You know, picker. like most P bases have like the rounded over edges and everything. For some reason, in the UK only for part of 1966, dude, they made they like made a handful with just tops. like square top huh. bodies. It's totally uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, totally. So it's an aesthetic thing. Pretty pretty aesthetic. The pickups I'm giving way, up. It's way easier to make too. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, well, and Entwistle owned three of them and he took them apart and reassembled them and did all that stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know, man. You should. It's uh, I was thinking about it, you know, like no, that body, if I fucking make fun of you, body was like, sell it and I know fucking that's yeah, the thing, dude, <laughs> that's the thing. And I think it comes back full circle. You build it for yourself if that's what you're going to keep in play. But if you're building it to be like, I'm going to start a business where I buy yeah, these parts right. and I like put them together and I paint them and do all this shit. You know, unless they're really cool. Now, some people have made a living off of that. They have. Like, does Danacaster, does he manufacture his own parts? I Didn't don't know quit? where his parts come yeah, from. He, he did. did. Yeah. And now his guitars are like $4,000. Well, or, Jim, or Jim Turk's more. got yeah. one of them. And oh, he does? Yeah. He's they're beautiful. They're beautiful. Does he have a telly? Yeah, he's got a... No, fuck. Yeah, he's got a telly, and then he, he bought a Jazzmaster from... Ah, maybe Dano, maybe one of those guys. Or Nash or something Nash, like that, perhaps. maybe. Not Nash, no. Hmm. Although I've played a few of those that I liked. Oh, um, yeah. Dan's no, they're, a couple. They're yeah, great guitars. Nice yeah. They are. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. The whole thing of value with any of this shit to me is just, if you like playing it, mm-hmm. yeah. end of reasoning, yeah. then own it. If you don't, don't. Is your is your twelve string? Is that a Jerry Jones? That's a Jerry Jones, yeah. You want to want to inform us a little bit about that bad boy? Because I'm I so right so, now I, I am like hardcore in twelve string. Sticking mode. with parts casters too. Sticking I mean, you casters. are assembling a parts caster. Okay, let me let's fucking pump the brakes a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I have a 1966 Fender twelve string neck mm-hmm. that I'm having a custom body made for cool. to turn into a twelve string yeah. electric. So easy on the parts caster there. I mean, it's too, it's parts being joined together. I wouldn't call. Okay, so does that mean that your jazz bass is a parts caster? Because those were not the original components that came together. You have a 61 body and a 65 neck. Uh, Is that now a parts caster? It's a 62 neck and a 66 (laughs) body. Mm -hmm. Don't get it twisted. Even numbered. Not odd. No, you're right. That's a really good point. I'm surprised I picked that up. Um, So what is that? Definitely, a, it's a parts caster. No, fuck Dude, no. I could way. not no sell way. that. I could not sell a guitar as a sixty-two jazz. Dude, bass. that is a, not a parts caster. I I refuse to call it that. I mean, it's I part- don't know that you can call it a sixty-two or a sixty-six or whatever. Right, but that's I, what I mean. That's, that's a not, mutt. It's a okay. Yeah, that's right. an alternative I'll term. I'll go with that. Mutt's that just good. slang for parts caster. <laughs> it's <laughs> like I know that's on that's the streets. A euphemism. Yeah, from the mean streets. Um, I, I don't know that, that that strikes me as wrong. But you're having a custom body built. I'm having a custom body building it, Lakeland. Whoa! Mm. In cocaine white? Mm. Oh, possibly. I well, I kind of fell in love. I kind of fell in love with a couple of different pieces of like walnut and stuff that they have. I just want just like a nice, nice dark wood. But if that doesn't work out, cocaine white for but sure. But if not, yeah. absolutely, it's going to be cocaine <laughs> white. Although I did, did just see Fender just put those new custom shop Chicago special ones yeah. out at CME, and there's a like super that one sick green cool. one. I saw that green dude. one. Oh, oh I saw man, that. I sent it to him today. I was like, shit, because yep. <laughs> it's the same, you know, yeah. same neck and everything like that. Like, with the like the hockey. You stuff. guys are way more jazzed about gear 
in 2019 than I am. I'm kind of on a like, yeah. fuck you. We'll bring it up. At the moment, it's I a phase. It. It, it, it ebbs and flows. But I will tell you this, and yeah. it's a testament to your sentiment when you saw that picture. Like, I've, I've subscribed to whatever, Chicago Music Exchange yeah. and Reverb and all those various social media gear porny things. As you do. And with indifference. Hmm. And then I saw that fucking green 12 string fender today. And it was the first time I felt like I wanted to own something mm-hmm. in a long mm. time. Yeah, it's coming So back. that one got the tickles back. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, the tickles. Moved a little. <laughs> like the, the gear tickles. Something moved a half stock right now. <laughs> um, but anyways, we, we totally got far, far away. I want to yeah. hear about your, your tall string yeah, that yeah. you've got. That one came from uh, making music. Oh. but when it, was, it, when it was still in the city? Yeah, when it was on Hubbard. Shit, I work in the same alleyway as it now. The, oh, my cool. office is, yeah, what was formerly making music yeah. is mm-hmm. right there. Oh, shed a tear for that. No kidding. I've, by the way, like, to sidetrack again, I feel like back in that era, you were either a Chicago Music Exchange guy or you were a making music guy. Mm. I feel that. Like the, weird, the, the weird old thing, Chicago Music the old, on yeah. uh, School Street or wherever Clark, it was at, yeah. right? Clark and School. But uh, and I was all in on making music. The only weird music. thing about making was that you had to like buzz to get in. It was I weird. Would, it yeah, was seemed, like which a, is cool. It was intimidating. But also members only a lot more intimidating. Vibe. I will say, I've I've been lucky enough to play some cool guitars in my life. Top five for sure. They at Macon, they had the fucking Martin that was owned by both Kurt Cobain and Elliot Smith. Whoa, oh, wow. And I got to play that. That's and cool. it was unbelievable. Oh, shit. That must Amazing. have been very depressing for you. <laughs> it was, it was, but also I, the thing that actually sticks with me most about playing that guitar was one, they didn't even have a price. Like they couldn't say what it was worth. And it was in this like fancy case. But also, it was a very quiet guitar oh like it was it did not project but the tone was like the sweetest sounding old martin you're ever gonna hear that's cool um so that was my own little brag for a second there back to your so this string. jerry it came Jones. from jerry from so 2008 i just joined two bands that both it was like i gotta get a 12 string for these bands it was like i needed it was part of that it was like i need an edge i needed a i'll call it a gimmick because mm-hmm. it's self uh deprecating yeah. but i was like i need something else then both bands already had a six string guitar in it and it's like it just seemed like aesthetically the right thing to do to round out the sound so i sold a paul reed smith arch top mm. that i had for back in the days and i thought i'd be some sort of jazz i can't thing. picture you playing a prs for some it reason. happened for it's a, a cool while. Guitar. it's the deep body you know mm-hmm. oh yeah gorgeous gorgeous freaking finish on the thing yeah. like a yeah. deep tobacco burst um but i came to terms with that i was like oh, this will never be the right guitar for what i'm doing now Sold it, got less than I wanted to for it, but had enough money to buy two new guitars. Mm. Three, actually. Enough money, because I, I don't spend, try not to spend more than a thousand bucks on it. Jerry guitar. Jones are not cheap instruments. Not anymore. Yeah. But so I went on the hunt for a 12 string. I played a bunch of Fender Coronados, hated mm. them. Yeah. yeah. Fender 12s, loved them, couldn't afford them. Because mm-hmm. the ones that were around were, yeah, they were like, the only the vintage grand. ones, right? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Late 60s, four grand. Yeah, they didn't have the reissues yet. And then there was some like, bullshit new things made by a couple companies like a Schecter 12 (laughs) who gives a shit like a Hamer or something Guild Guild was making a 12 Guild Uh, has they maybe had like a 335 style 12 Eastwood wasn't really around yet or maybe starting to form and so anyway it's kind of out of options and nothing that I like fit my budget I wanted a Fender 12 I wanted some solid body went to making music and was you know fucking belly aching about it to them uh, I think Griffin Barron. Do you know Griff? Griff's a follower and listener to the podcast. Oh, Absolutely. sweet. I think Griff was working Griff. there at that time, and, and Griff was a really, really useful resource at that place. I uh, was like, well, what about Jerry Jones? And I was like, fucking, oh, right, the sitar guys, mm-hmm. the guys who make the weird sitar. So I ended up, you know, we priced it out, and they hooked it up, 
and I ordered one, and they're like, it'll be here in three months, and I picked out like Fire Engine Red, three Dude, pickups. So you got to spec it out your whole Spec it out entirely. Oh, wow. They're like, yeah, they're, we don't have any in stock. They're all custom orders. Cool. Ordered it. I think all in, I paid 1100 bucks. <laughs> no shit. And, uh, th- but I'd never played one. Yeah. So it was also the first time I'd ever ordered a guitar without having any point of reference. Like, yeah. I don't know if I'm going to fucking hate the neck or the way it the pickup sound or all of my, it. My reaction is because that guitar is probably at least double that now, right? I mean, probably triple. Triple, wow. yeah, very expensive. Because Jerry just abruptly retired yeah. a few years later with like a really non-ceremonious like post on his website of like, "Hey, Jerry Jones is done. No thanks, shit. wow, thanks for the business." Pretty much it. Yeah, it was just like, "Thanks, guys. No more guitars over yeah. like overnight." But so it showed up three months later, and it was kind of a nervous day for me because I went, went there. And I'm like, if this thing sucks, they're not going to take it back, right? Yeah. Like I, I, I live with this thing now. And I don't know if it had any resale value. If it, you know, if anyone gave a shit about Jerry Jones at that time, mm-hmm. opened the case, pulled it out, best fucking twelve string I've ever played. Damn, not even close. The neck yeah. on it was insane. The tones on it were killer. I couldn't have lucked out more. Wow. So that's why it's kind of became the main thing I played. It wasn't just that I wanted to play twelve. It was that I felt like I owned the best twelve. Hell yeah, that's and awesome. And you that'll still make do. You some, yeah, that'll make you a better player too. I mean, just being so comfortable. Yeah, it, like it did. It made it really easy to put it on. Had you songs gotten like an time. import, you know, like the guild or something, it would have been like, oh, this is all right. And, you know, might yeah. And then you like kind of grim, like, ah, I guess I got to play the 12 tonight. You know, yeah. <laughs> Do so. you have any sort of like transitioning from being mostly a six to maybe mostly a 12 player? Anything's, anything that happened or that like you, you could share about what that process was like or that you noticed about it? No. And that's because the 12 was just about as easy to play as a six. Mm-hmm. And the, a lot of, and that was, I think, what changed it for me was a lot of the ones I'd played, you know, it felt like you were playing a different, harder instrument. Like playing like the, a Rick? I mean, those 12 yeah, strings oh are God, hard Rick's to play, dude. like shit. Yeah. Terribly. So a lot of them, it was like, you got to like grind your fucking fingers mm-hmm. into the, um, you know, into the neck of the thing to make anything of it. And this Jerry Jones, I went to play it, and I was like, I don't feel like it's inhibiting me in oh, any way. Just worse. Six. And then it was like, oh, I could solo on a 12. Whoa. What the fuck? I hadn't even considered that. I thought yeah. I'd just do it to like play cool jangly shit to in the play, background. To play the like, Mr. Tambourine Man. Like, right? yeah. <laughs> I just want to play turn, turn, turn. Yeah. Like, so echo and the Bunnyman shit and yeah. call it a day. But no, I became like, oh, I can solo on this thing. And then that became more of like, that's a different thing. Yeah, it is. So so no, the answer is no. The answer is no, cool. but it's because of that because particular of guitar. guitar. That's yeah. cool. So hopefully mine... Uh, holds a candle to that situation yeah really like like, you said though like i'm I'm not getting it with the expectation of being able to rip on it it's really like i want that tool and to have that texture and to mm -hmm, be able to have mm -hmm. that option sounds fucking awesome but yeah if it if it if it's easy to play that would be pretty fun too wouldn't it and Mm. yeah and so there that's the only thing i'd say it's possible yeah i know now from having that instrument it's possible to get a 12 that plays like a six shit yeah I didn't know that was possible that's awesome might have to steal it from you at some point yeah you Um, can borrow it dude if you want to i don't I might have to take you up on that. Um, yeah. I know we're getting close. We're running out of time here. I, I want to touch on maybe one or two more things. Sure. If that's okay yeah, I got with a few you. minutes. Um, so I was actually thinking about uh, a show that I did see you. I, I, I know you were, I don't know if you're totally mixing, but you're definitely working. Mm-hmm. Um, that came to mind that I want to ask a little bit about what was it like mixing that sun show, show in a church? Oh, sun. Yeah, in a church. In Rockefeller Chapel. Um, so they had their own engineer. Mm hmm. From what I recall, really um, quick for anybody that doesn't know, Sun is for sure the loudest band I've ever heard in my <laughs> life. I think I don't remember the exact count, but it was something like twelve or so full stacks of the loudest Sun and Ampeg amps that are on the market. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, sorry. Please, and they play please, please upwards continue. of five notes. Yeah. Right. Mm. It's all drone. It's all drone. 
And it's a significant part in the show when they change notes. They do. And they That's all kind of raise cool. their arms up in the air together oh, and do it. And, but it it's comes. like there's so much smoke that you can almost barely see it. <laughs> um, yeah. But the, I remember actually at the top of that show, they fucking blew the power. Oh, so you went to the first night. There was yeah, two yeah. nights there. Oh, okay. And the truth is, I mean, that's a cool metal thing to say. They're like, yeah, they were rocking so hard. Right. They tripped all yeah. the circuits. No, it was a bad filter in the uh, diesel generator outside. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Well, I thought it was the, the light system or that's something. That's another thing. You know, we're talking about redundant fucking uh, computer systems at mm-hmm. shows. Another thing that'll shit all over your show is most outdoor events, most generator. outdoor concerts. And Rockefeller, that uh, cathedral, running off a generator. Dude. And generators are temperamental little bitches. Damn. And sometimes they just poop their pants so all street fests are powered by generators yeah i never Single considered ge- but that. it's but they don't bring redundant generators wow so, like so one if the main jenny maybe? goes down end of show yeah and you could call the generator company and they're usually like three to four hours out at least yeah has that happened to you yes other than this obviously um one we're talking never about. critically at a uh at a in the middle of a concert aside from that sun show mm-hmm. but uh i was doing dark lord day a couple of years ago oh, wow. and dark lord day we get a full day of loading in and setting up and then the show and it was like 3 p.m the day before and the idea was we we're gonna fire up the sound system tune it and by like 5 p.m be done mm-hmm. right. go get dinner short get day. a few drinks short day jenny fucked up at like 3 30 mm. we were there till 1 a.m because oh, we couldn't get a replacement no. jenny in until a, 10 30 at Damn. night and then we we're getting rained on and then i'll sit so like Ugh. it's fucked it's ruined my day before damn the sun show it was a bad uh filter i forget which filter somewhere in the jenny caused the power to die mm-hmm. a few times so rockefeller uh, cathedral is a gorgeous um gorgeous room with probably like a five second reverb time it's six huge. second reverb time Whoa. it's a it's a cave yeah it um making bands like Sun totally appropriate. Right, yeah, because they... For that space. You want that much decay on each note. Yeah, and you want that scenery, too, for, yeah, like, right. you know, the whole vibe of the show, that plus all the haze and everything. Yep, it's sure. like... Oh, and I think I, I, I'm i probably... I'm positive I would have mentioned it to you, but I also that's where I graduated high school. Oh, so that was then, your ceremony was so there? That, yeah, so then also, then now the next time that I was there was to see Sun... It's pretty dope melt it down <laughs> it was pretty yeah. awesome dude they didn't blow out and i'm the sorry air. you had the yeah that generator issues and it's a drag man it, yeah it, like, for a second it, but like i, I don't know it also kind of added to the experience it's like you know people will try to like tune all the sh- the mistakes out of their record but like oftentimes that's the stuff that you remember mm-hmm. it's kind of the same thing with that show oh, that's like, a nice spin to i don't put really on remember any of the songs they played but i remember that moment and everyone like the anticipation of what's going on how fucking hot it was in there and that kind yeah. of that whole oh, and we're all thing. running around backstage like because it, it takes a little while to even diagnose the problem yeah so there's a few minutes where like you got to just keep your cool and, and be like why did that happen what extent did it happen because mm-hmm. it wasn't everything that died i think lighting maintained yeah and uh Backline maintained. It was just the PA that died. Was it? I thought or I did. Saw, no, I th- backline I think the amps went, went down. Too. Yeah, the amps went down. Mm. Um, no, that's correct. Backline died. Audio stayed up, so mm. the PA system stayed live, and all of the amps shut off. That's at the right. Same and you time. just turn back on like whatever. I can't remember what you were listening to before. It was like Scott my, Walker. Scott Walker. That's yeah. What it Son was, yeah. wanted to listen to all Scott Walker, obviously because of their relationship with yeah. him. And it was um, a perfect music for that setting too. Yeah, so it was nice to actually like come back spooky, to it. Spooky, spooky later. Scott yeah. And they got it. They got it going. We're playing that. Um, fired it back up. Yep. We were able to fire it back up. They were able to kind of temporarily override the issue in the Jenny. And I don't remember the details of that, but they got it back up. 
it failed at one one or two more times. I think we had three failures that night. I don't um, remember. The first one was short. The second one was maybe the long one, and then there's a third one. Hmm. But um, that ruins your fucking night. Yeah. And, like working the show, you're like, that's, that's a catastrophic failure of mm-hmm. a concert, and you never want that to happen. Um, as far as working with that band goes, super nice guys, very easy band and crew. That's a funny band to have a sound system for in the first place because, like you're talking about, there's so many amps. There's mm-hmm. so yeah, much stage say. volume. Well, yeah, how much reinforcement are you even doing with that? They did a lot. They did? Wow. I was sitting up pretty close. To, and that's why it's allowed to so, show you you ever yeah. saw is, like, the, the stage volume itself in that space may have been enough to just, like, not don't even, even bring a PA in. You've yeah. got stacks of 8 by 10s You'll be fine. Because it's all instrumental. There's no. It's not like there's vocals. I mean, well, there was there was a horn, so I guess you probably wouldn't Trombone, need to, yeah. You need a PA need to, to amplify a trombone. <laughs> yeah. Just for other than that, I mean, everyone's playing through yeah. hundreds of watts of tube wow. power. Yeah. Like, so, how much of that is even, how much of the amps are, like, how much is mic'd up? Is it, like, just one per guy? Yeah. A lot. Like, that band's a lot of channels. And that, to me... And that's per their sound engineer and what uh, what that person wants to do. And I remember them being very competent and like a really good person, but I fundamentally differ on that. Um, you put a lot of mics on the same guitar, you get a lot of weird phasey shit. Yeah, well, exactly. Mm-hmm. But he had a way of dealing with that and, and making it work. And then uh, he had his board set up in such a way that he had um, specific control over over the lows. Oh, okay. Without getting too technical about yeah. it, um, oh, we can and that he wrote that up and down. He had certain channels going to a matrix that was just going to the subs. If you want to get yeah, dweeby on it, and he was so riding the subwoofers as their own. Yeah, exactly. So that he was directing certain channels and kind of live mixing them up and down mm. to certain boxes, you know, mm-hmm. to the subs to bring up and down the low frequency intensity per song. Wow. It was slick. Damn, that's, but that's, I mean, that's what having your own engineer does. He knows, can, knows every part of it. Yeah, so then are exactly. you in that sort of situation where the, someone does have their own engineer? Or are you more of like a systems tech? Yeah. Kind of like Yeah, and you, you basically, guy. with Sun, uh, you spend the night looking at all the amplifiers and making sure they don't peak and start frying yeah. your, your drivers. And it'll start blowing speakers. Right. Um, and they didn't blow a single speaker in two nights of having them, which was really cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Um, <laughs> that's they, a testament do they tour to with two their things. own hangs and stuff, or is it no, like, no, that's no. all. Uh, Elliot Dix, a close friend of mine, owns all that stuff. Oh, okay. Rents it to Empty Bottle presents for those shows. Um, so that's a testament to two things: one, that their engineer was respectful in his ways of mixing and wasn't mm-hmm. trying to push more out of a system than it had to give. And second was that Elliot spec that system well to where it offered up enough to where he could get where he needed to go with his mix mm-hmm. without feeling like I need more. Where's more? That's when you start blowing shit. Yeah. You're like, it needs to be, there has to be more. Maybe it's more lows. Maybe it's just louder in general. Mm-hmm. And the system has no more to offer. Then things overheat. Then drivers start, you know, catching on fire yeah. or whatever. And then all hell breaks loose. Man, honestly, I feel like we could continue this yeah. for hours and days, but all good things must come to an end. Yeah. Joe, thank you so much for coming and hanging out. Oh, with this is a joy. Shit, thank dude. you for having me. You're the man, me. dude. That was I really awesome. appreciate it. Um, I don't know. Like, is there anything that you want to like plug or have people check out or anything like that? Or, or you know, just nothing. Come see pig face on tour. Yeah, go see, yeah, pig, go face. see pig face on tour. That's going to be a really cool show. Chicago is going to have Danny Carey. Uh, he's not on all the dates. Ooh, He'll be on the Chicago right. date. Do you know where, where they're playing? Is, yeah, yeah. Uh, Thalia Hall. Oh, uh, November 30th. I think it's a Friday I'm night. So going to that. Um, that'll have, yeah, Danny Carey. It'll have Chris Connolly. It'll have, uh, I think we're going to have seven drum kits on stage for it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Not was, a joke. That's going to be fun. That's happening. Yeah. 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 Sure. Yeah. yeah, at that point, you've got. 
two main drum kits and then you've got five like fuck it have fun on them guys yeah exactly. not put any mics on <laughs> you'll maybe you'll like throw a 52 in front of the kick just to make them think that something's happened but yeah. you don't have it turned on oh fuck that no not even <laughs> like, picked up. like do you guys really think there's gonna be seven drum kits amplified in this room <laughs> do you really want seven drum kits exactly. amplified in this does room does the audience want to hear all seven drummers equally or do they really want to hear martin and danny carey right and danny carey. yeah right good point all right man so, well, that was super awesome all right yeah Love thank you, you guys Bye. thanks man bye there